1: life can be full of problems, pressures, quandaries and quagmires. Well, today, Pastor Greg Laurie has good counsel.
0: You need to pray about everything. Nothing's too small to pray about. Nothing's too big to pray about. Lord, help me with this. I need wisdom. We're told in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it generously and not hold it back. You need to reach out and take that wisdom. Because it's there for you.
1: This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Oh, Amazing grace, how sweetness now. Oh, Again, you hear the angels of singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Ever been caught in gridlock? Maybe you're trying to get out of a parking lot of a large sports event, you're stuck. You can't go forward, you can't go backwards, you can't go to the right or the left. The only thing you can do is look up. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie takes us to a time of challenge in the history of the Israelites. They needed help, they were stuck, they looked up and God came through. We'll see what lessons we can learn for our own spiritual
0: gridlock. I read a story about a man that adopted a hippo, a hippopotamus, as a pet. He lived in South Africa and apparently he found it when it was still a calf and he raised it. He said he would ride it around like a horse and even brush its teeth. And he was quoted to say he's like a son to me. He also said in an interview, and I quote, People think you can only have relationships with dogs and cats and domestic animals. I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa, end quote. Famous last words. (laughs) Have you heard of the little game Hungry Hippos? (laughs) Unfortunately, this didn't turn out so well for this man because Humphrey the hippo grew from a calf to a menacing creature that ultimately killed him. So that's a very sad outcome. Take away truth. Don't make hippos into pets. Right? But we can also do the same with sin. You know, maybe what we have, what we might describe as a little sin. It's not a problem. We have control of it, but then it grows larger and larger. And then your sin starts taking you over. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, the Bible doesn't compare the devil to a hippo. Though hippos do kill more people in Africa than lions, leopards, elephants, and water buffaloes combined. But still, the Bible compares the devil to a lion. First Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, watch out, your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, the devil can take many forms. He can come to us as the devil of hell or a fiery dragon. But he can also masquerade as an angel of light. If you don't answer his call at the front door, he'll knock at the back door. And he might tunnel up through the floor. He's always looking for a way to get into our lives. Sometimes he'll slither in like a snake. And that is the case here in Joshua chapter nine. I guess the devil operates by the old adage which says if you can't beat him, join him. So we see now the story of the Gibeonites. So the Gibeonites from the city of Gibeon was about 25 miles from uh, the camp of Israel. These inhabitants knew they could not defeat Israel so they came up with a strategy. Let's get them to sign a deal with us. We'll pretend like we're coming from a long ways away. We're not even in this land that they're told by God to conquer and we can deceive them, and they'll give us immunity. So that's how the story begins in Joshua chapter nine, starting in verse three. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags, old patched wineskins. They put on worn out patch sandals and ragged clothes and the bread they took with them was moldy and dry. And when they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we've come from a distant land and we ask you to make a peace treaty with us. Well, stop there. Here's point number one if you're taking notes. The spiritual battle never stops. Oh, I wish it would. I wish the devil would just take a day off, better yet, a month off, a year off, But he is always out there trying to destroy lives. The Bible describes him as always active, always working, seeking to undermine the work of God. Number two, don't make deals with the devil. More people have been brought down by the sin of compromise than probably any other. That warning from God was they will be a snare to you. Israel was now entangling themselves with these non-believers, these Gibeonites that were going to pull them in the wrong direction. Point number three. We need to pray about things before we decide. We need to pray about things before we decide. Joshua 9.14 says, The Israelites examined their food, that would be the food of the Gibeonites, They brought this moldy bread. Oh, this was fresh out of the oven when we left home and now it's all moldy. Oh, wow, okay, it looks good to me. So they looked at their food, but look at this. They did not consult the Lord. In other words, they didn't pray about it. With Jericho, God gave to Israel a battle plan. And with Ai, the same was true. But there was no battle plan with the Gibeonites. In other words, they didn't pray. Hey, Lord, is this a trap? Is this a good thing? Should we enter into this agreement with these people? They didn't pray about it. You need to pray about everything. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It doesn't say in only giant, big things, in everything. Nothing's too small to pray about. Nothing's too big to pray about. Lord Help me with this. I need wisdom. We're told in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it generously and not hold it back. See, God wants to give his wisdom generously to you. You need to reach out and take that wisdom because it's there for you. And in the case of Joshua, he could have gone to the high priest and asked for direction, Hey, should we make a deal with these guys? I'm not sure if this is a good thing. No, he didn't do any of that. So that's why it's always good to seek counsel.
1: It's great to have you join us today for A New Beginning. Pastor Greg Laurie is talking about the value of seeking the wisdom of others who know the Lord. We're in Joshua chapter 9 with today's message called Don't Make Deals with the Devil.
0: Seek counsel from godly people, specifically Seek counsel from people that have been around the block a few times. You know, when I was a brand new Christian, I befriended a bunch of adults who were old enough to be my parents. I would like go hang around Chuck Smith. I would hang around others that really helped me. A pastor named Romaine at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. Another man named Keith Ritter that became very helpful and influential to me. And then later I met Alan Redpath, who was a, great British preacher and I became friends with Billy Graham and others. I would spend time with them. I would ask them questions. I think when we're young we want to hang around all the young kids and that's fine. But I always felt like I could learn so much more from older godly people. And there's wisdom there. You can ask them questions. It's like you're not the first generation experiencing what you're experiencing. I know it has a different name or a different look and I know there are many challenges young people are facing today that are unique to their time. But at the same time, there's a lot of collective wisdom that is there for you if you'll seek it out from others. Proverbs 15, says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. To this day, I still seek out biblical counsel from a lot of people that I look up to. I'll, I have something I need to decide about, and I'll say, what do you think about this? What's your opinion on that? I found that really helps me make my decision. Another thing that helps me decide if something is the will of God or not is do I have the peace of God about it? Colossians 3, 5 says, let the peace of God rule in your life. Or as another translation puts it, let God's peace act as an umpire in your life, settling with finality all matters that arise. Umpires are not very popular now, are they? Because they gotta make that call, he's safe, he's out. Touchdown. No, there was a penalty. People turn on the umpires. Let the peace of God act as an umpire in your life. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. There might be something that looks good on the outside. You say, I think this is God's will for me. Uh, Circumstantially, everything's fallen into place. This is a good investment. This is a good relationship. This is a good business opportunity. This is an open door for ministry. Pray about it. (laughs) because inside you might have sort of a lack of peace or something about it that isn't sitting right. That's why I like to have time to think about things before I say yes. Let me just think about that for a while. Let me pray about that for a while because I want the peace of God. The Bible says you go out with joy and you'll be led forth with peace in Isaiah 55. I try not to make rash decisions. So in closing, the Gibeonites... They didn't have to do this. It could have just come, hey, we're the Gibeonites. Our city 25 miles away. We know that you are blessed by God. We've heard the miracle story. So how about this? We want to repent of our sins. We want to turn from our wickedness. We want to stop sacrificing our babies on the altars of pagan gods And we want to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We want to become believers. They could have been. They could have been. Did God not spare Rahab the harlot? Did he not give her a second chance when she took the spies in and hid them in her home? And then when Israel came into the land, hey, they didn't kill her. They said, you're part of us now. But no, these Gibeonites didn't want to believe. They wanted to live in their sin. And they tricked Israel. But here's the thing. We serve a God of second chances. I can't change my past, nor can you, any more than I can unscramble an egg. All I can do with my past is learn from it. And if I've sinned, admit I've sinned. Repent of my sin. Accept the forgiveness of God and move forward. The title of this message is Don't Make Deals with the Devil. I think some people think they've made a deal with the devil that's unbreakable. I've heard people say they made a deal with the devil. They sold their soul to Satan. How would you know? Newsflash, you can't sell your soul to Satan. And I'll tell you why. Your soul is not yours to sell. God says all souls are mine. The soul of the Father and the Son. So I can't sell my soul to the devil or broker some deal with Lucifer, or if he gives me this, then he controls me for the rest of my life. Nonsense. All deals are off ever since Jesus Christ died on the cross and broke the power of Satan. Because in the book of Colossians, and it says, Christ disarmed powers and authorities, speaking of satanic powers, and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So when Jesus said one word from Calvary, tetelestai, which is translated, it is what? Finished, you're right. It's finished, what's finished? The power of Satan in your life, the stranglehold of the devil, any addiction that has a grip on you right now, Any lifestyle you can't break free from, it is finished. Christ broke that power. Now, do you want that power broken? See, the problem is sometimes we still want to live in that old life. We don't want to be free. But if you want to be free, if you want to be forgiven, if you want a second chance, it's there for you. All you need to say to Satan is, All deals are off. We're done here. You get nothing. Not a hoof will be left behind. You can't have any area of my life at all. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, the problem is we don't resist the devil. We have conversations with the devil. You say, what do you mean? Well, we check out what he's offering. Hey, I'd never do it, but just for my knowledge, what is it you're offering? No, no, don't don't let him do that. Remember when God said to Adam and Eve they could eat of any tree in the garden but stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Pretty clear. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy my creation. Just stay away from that tree. Scene two, Adam and Eve at the tree. They shouldn't be by. And there's the devil coming as a serpent offering his wares. You know the rest of the story. They gave into it and sin spread throughout the human race. Here's the thing. When you're a Christian, you don't have to be afraid of the devil anymore. But if you're not a Christian, you should be really scared of the devil, because he's real, he's powerful, far more powerful than you or me. I'm no match for him. There's nothing I can do that can keep him away from me. The only force or power out there greater than that of Satan is the power of God himself. Now when Christ comes to live in your life, you no longer have to be afraid of the devil. When the devil comes knocking at your front door, you just say, Jesus, would you mind getting that? <laughs> and when the devil says, oh, okay, I'm, uh, never mind. He'll move on. And here's my question, is Christ living in your life? Maybe I'm talking to somebody today that needs a second chance. Somebody today that is trapped by sin or some kind of an addiction. But you must admit your sin and turn from it And ask Christ to come into your life. Jesus died on that cross for you. And he's standing at the door of your life right now. And he's knocking. And he's saying if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. So in closing, have you asked Christ to come into your life yet? If not, would you like to? You can do it right here, right now. Let's all bow our heads. Father, speak to every person here especially those that don't know you. Help them to see their need for Jesus. Help them, Lord, to come to you and believe and find that second chance. Find that forgiveness that you offer to them because of the death of Jesus on the cross. Now while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we're praying, would you like your sin forgiven? Would you like to know that when you die, you will go to heaven? Would you like a second chance in life? Just pray this prayer right where you are after me. Pray these words. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin. I turn from that sin now, and I choose to follow you from this moment forward as my Savior and my Lord, as my God and my friend. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pastor Greg Laurie with an important prayer with those who are making a decision for the Lord today. And if you've just taken that step, well, first of all, know that your sins are forgiven. The Bible says that the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we'd love to welcome you into the family of God. Let us send you something to help you get started off right. We'd like to send you a New Believers Growth Pack. Just ask for one free of charge when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. Call 1-800-772-936 today. Next time on A New Beginning, we move ahead to Joshua chapter 14 and look at an inspiring example of how to enjoy a wholehearted relationship with God.